Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. Well, we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying only on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to midnight Pacific, 10.30 p.m. Pacific on Fridays, on Ground Zero Dot Radio. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also find The Secret Teachings on any radio or podcast player. You can listen for free after the initial broadcast. Our website has the free archive as well and a subscription service so you can get access to the shows, the montages, and my digital books. Without those outside advertisements, just visit www.thesecretteachings.info. We are also on social media, TST underscore underscore radio on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. It is Monday, January 9th, 2023. Already a week plus into the new year, the year of the rabbit, 2023, the year of the water rabbit. As you know that on this show, we like to play around with names. We like to play around with words for the title of the show and for things we talk about on the show. And over the weekend, I was playing around with some names because I heard this incredible story that a good friend of mine sent to me, Derek Murphy, who's actually going to be on the show tomorrow, if everything pans out the way that it should. And it's a story about a new coronavirus variant. Now, tonight's show is not about the coronavirus, but it's just a new variant name. And it struck me as highly significant because it relates to pretty much I'd say a third, about a third of what we talked about on the show in 2000 and, well, 20, 21, and 22. Most of the most popular shows, not all of them, but most of the most popular shows last year when I went into the archive in late December, were about things relating to the Kraken, whether that was the hockey team in Seattle or it was more so Lovecraftian talking about Cthulhu. We did a number of shows on Cthulhu last year. Or we were talking about Hollywood in general, and not just the shows we did on Ball or Bell, like Bollywood or Balenciaga, etc. But shows where we talked about how Hollywood seems to be obsessed with Lovecraftian ideas, Lovecraftian imagery, and also obsessed with well, basically gods and titans and things of of this nature. So putting all that together, that was probably one of the the foundational pillars. It's about a third of all the shows we did last year. We focused on that theme in some way, in some shape or some form. And now there is a new coronavirus variant, and I'll tell you more about it throughout the show, called the Kraken. And the interesting thing is it isn't an official designation by the World Health Organization or the UN or the Centers for Disease Control. It's a designation given by a doctor, Ryan Gregory, a biology professor at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. And this name picked up steam rapidly on social media. And now this new variant is being referred to as Kraken. It was Centaurus, but now it's being referred to as Kraken. And there's a bunch of other names as well, but Kraken, you can't get much more direct than that. They might as well call it Cthulhu. 
Now, for those of you who don't know, we talked about the Seattle crack in the hockey team and how it's really strange that of all the hockey teams or any sports team, any expansion team, any any idea, any image that could have been conjured up for a new team, they pick the crack. And not only because of Seattle and being close to the ocean and it being a very wet place, but they're playing inside of a stadium, inside of an arena referred to as Climate Pledge Arena. Now, we've spoken to Wes from Ground Zero and Wes from Conspirifact, Wes, and uh, he's been to the Climate Pledge Arena. We did a show with him on that a couple of, um, it was about like six months ago, maybe more, and how the Climate Pledge Arena initially began as one thing and then they sort of changed the policies. But the initial rollout of the of the climate pledge policy was that you couldn't come to the stadium unless you wore a mask under any circumstance. Didn't matter. You had to wear a mask to go into the stadium. You had to have a negative COVID test or you had to have a vaccine or proof of vaccine, et cetera. So the stadium or the arena itself was kind of like this homage to Cthulhu or to the Kraken because all that energy, the covered faces, the proof of vaccine, all that energy, especially at a hockey game, is directed right there at center ice and right there at center ice is the Kraken is Cthulhu. I called it a shrine to Lovecraft. And that's what I sincerely feel that it is in an underlying occult sense. So you have that in hockey and then you look into, well, just, you know, cartoons, let's say, uh, look into, well, look into comics, look into uh, Batman or even Rick and Morty. Some of you probably watch Rick and Morty. I just finished watching the, the fifth season recently. Not a huge fan of the show, but I, I do think it's very clever and very funny. Some of it is. But if you watch Rick and Morty, or maybe you're a fan of Batman, I'm a fan of Batman. Recently, uh, according to uh, the, the, the comic book uh, universe, if you will, uh, Batman, for the next animated movie, he's going Lovecraft. According to Gizmodo, Batman goes Lovecraft for his next animated movie. It might seem like a one-off, but Rick and Morty, and this is an article from Space.com, pretty big science website, Rick and Morty plunge into a pit of Lovecraftian horror in new comic miniseries. So, in essence, whether you're looking at sports, professional sports, uh, one of the, I'd say, the least corrupted professional sports leagues, the National Hockey League, or you're looking at something silly like Rick and Morty, or you're looking at something very serious and, and, and um, uh, very powerful, like the image of Batman and what Batman represents and all the psychology of that. So it's professional sports, it's comic books, it's cartoons, or again, it's healthcare and medicine and the pandemic and here's the Kraken, a new coronavirus uh, variant. Then the U.S. Army unveiled recently they've got a new missile system delivered by Lockheed Martin. It's called Typhon. I mean, it's literally everywhere. It's from Hollywood to professional sports to the military. Kraken is also a Bitcoin trading platform. So it's in finance and economics as well. And I think the last place you would think the last place I would think that you would see something like this is in the world of healthcare and medicine with this new coronavirus variant called the Kraken. It's literally everywhere. 
everywhere you look. Social media companies like Meta, the Metaverse, Meta, they used the squid as the centerpiece of their advertising campaign recently. If you watch that commercial, it's very colorful, very extravagant. And at the end, they show the squid lowering down into the centerpiece of the performance. So when you think about the squid or the octopus or the kraken, which is you know traditionally just a giant squid, and you think about Cthulhu, and you think about the abyss, and you think about these Lovecraftian monsters or these Lovecraftian ideas, other dimensions, gateways, portals, other worlds, aliens, all these kinds of ideas and concepts that you find, as we've talked about on this show before, you find heavily in the comic book universe or universes, the comic book multiverses. You find this heavily in music videos, in TV shows, in movies. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about Lovecraft country. I'm talking about things that have nothing to do on the surface with Lovecraft uh, or things that are merged with Lovecraft now, like Batman or Rick and Morty, et cetera. These are just recent stories. Uh, even the U.S. military, they've got the Typhon missile system now. And you, you put all this together and maybe, maybe, I don't know if you do, but I certainly do. I wonder, maybe you wonder, why is there such a heavy emphasis on these common themes and ideas? Because like, if you think about, look, look at the U.S. Army, uh, look at the U.S. military. They have Tomahawk missiles, they have Chinook helicopters, Apache helicopters. They've got all these things that are named after Indian tribes. Now, people that have a more, I'm not even sure what to call it, liberal-minded, bleeding-heart view of the world, they see that as offensive. They see that as cultural appropriation or something to that extent. I don't see it that way. I see that the U.S. military uses those names because, well, a lot of those tribes, a lot of Indians, a lot of Indian tribes, they inspired fear in the people in the other tribes or in the in the in the Europeans, et cetera, that they that they went to battle with. So, you know, the, the Tomahawk missile that is drawing on the idea and the power and the influence and the sympathy of those Indians who were masters of using the tomahawk swiftly and efficiently. And that's what a tomahawk missile does. It's swift, it's efficient, well, it should be efficient, and it hits its target and it causes massive amounts of damage. Same thing with Chinook helicopters, Apaches, Blackhawks, etc. They're drawing on the sympathetic energy of those Indian tribes, on the lore, on the the warriors of those tribes, on the the idea and the imagery, all these things. And that's what, whether it's the U.S. military or it's professional sports or whatever it is, when you draw, and especially when it's collective and it seems to be a, a common theme, in fact, we know it's a common theme, it doesn't even seem to be a common theme, it is a common theme, when they all these sources of, of, of entertainment and finance and everything just relies on the same image, not only would it be drawing on the power and the energy of the Kraken as a, as a mythical, mystical, terrifying thing that sailors have, have documented for centuries, which is a real thing. I mean, giant squid, this is a real thing. Uh, the legend is its, it's, its own thing in, in another way. But, but drawing on that in a singular way would be powerful enough. But when you have all of these different sources culturally drawing on the same energy, it's a lot more powerful. It's a lot more dramatic. 
and it's a lot more effective in conjuring these things into real life. Uh, and I don't mean that in, a, in, a, in like a mental sense, like something that is being drawn or conjured into, into the mind as an idea. I mean literal, bringing physical monsters to the surface, figuratively and literally. There is a story, this is a pretty strange story, it's kind of like a Loch Ness monster story. January 5th, southeastern North Carolina, a creature was filmed, I watched the video, nobody is disputing that it's a real video, a creature was filmed that looked like an alligator, a fish, and an eel all combined into one. The video was viewed more than 100,000 times since it was posted on January 3rd, so within 48 hours, a couple hundred thousand views, more than that now, and it was posted by the Chasen Tales Outdoor Bait and Tackle Shop in Atlantic Beach, North Carolina. 43-second video shows the creature surfacing with a sputter of air, then it began slithering like a snake with an alligator-like head sticking out of the water. Here is another story. This one is, I'd say, more terrifying than that. A giant octopus in British Columbia goes viral on TikTok. The headline, that's the Kraken. A video of what appears to be a massive Pacific octopus in British Columbia has gone viral on social media. Port Alberni, B.C. native Brooke Satar shared a clip of the octopus on TikTok Wednesday where millions of people have since seen the ocean creature. The Kraken. This is a very large octopus. And the strange thing is, British Columbia. I've never been to British Columbia. I've lived up in that part of the country, though. I lived up in Boise, so kind of in that direction, you know, not too, too far from Portland or Seattle. And that part of the country, Canada and the United States, think about it. You have the giant octopus, a physical giant octopus, and then not too far from British Columbia, you have the Seattle Kraken. Summoning, conjuring, and drawing these things into physical existence. Now, this is perhaps just coincidental. Perhaps it has no meaning. Perhaps a recent report, this is from the conversation, the article, from a senior lecturer in paleontology and evolutionary biology at the University of Bath, Nicholas Longrich. New study shows that 60 million years ago, or 60 plus million years ago, sea monsters really did exist. They were called mosasaurs, huge marine lizards that lived at the same time as the last dinosaurs. All of these stories are posted in the last week and a half. Scientific confirmation, if you can believe that, of sea monsters. A sea monster seen in North Carolina on the east coast of the United States, and a sea monster, giant octopus, seen, videoed, photographed in British Columbia, not too far from the Seattle Kraken NHL hockey team. At Climate Pledge Arena, that shrine, that altar to Cthulhu. Now, why do these names, even though they might be a little bit different, you've got the Kraken, you've got Cthulhu, you've got giant squid, giant octopus, but what do all of them imply? What do all of them mean and share in common? 
Well, when you think about the octopus or the squid, you think about perhaps super intelligent organism. Uh, these creatures have been given a sentient classification in, I believe it's in all of the United Kingdom. They now see these as sentient creatures. And you have ink, the famous ink as a defensive mechanism. And that ink, you know, it kind of reminds me, especially because Hollywood is obsessed with this, which makes you think of, well, the ink of a pen. And, and the old saying that the pen is mightier than the sword. And the pen can create peace. The pen can create war. The pen can also create an idea or an image. The pen can draw things into existence. Whether you're drawing things like, I don't know, Rick and Morty in a Lovecraftian universe or Batman in a Lovecraftian universe, or you're drawing the designs for the Typhon missile system that was just delivered to the U.S. Army, or you're drawing out or writing out the idea for the next Hollywood blockbuster, you're talking about uh, aliens or you're talking about uh, giant squids or octopus, uh, you know, these big creatures that we see in Hollywood movies, these monsters we see in Hollywood movies, the Titans, you know, from the Godzilla franchise, you think about the Eternals and uh, these giant beings inside of the earth, the emergence happening and the earth being broken apart. You think about these things and you realize that this isn't, or this can't be, as far as I'm concerned, all completely coincidental. I mean, we're supposed to believe that everything from economics with the crack and Bitcoin platform to Hollywood in general, to professional sports, to just popular culture things that make it big on social media. Everybody is into the same thing. Everybody's into Lovecraft. Everybody just completely agrees that this is, this is a cool thing. This doesn't frighten people. This doesn't make people think. This doesn't make people recognize the pattern here. You know, uh, the, the pen is mightier than the sword, the ink of the pen. Using the pen as a as a defensive tool, as an offensive tool. And what does ultimately the pen do? It creates new worlds. It creates new things, new ideas, new uh, perhaps monsters. And it's these, these kinds of things, uh, these monsters, these ideas like the Kraken or Cthulhu, that Im imply terror. And they imply an idea and an image and an energy that is very dark and very abysmal. So why name a new coronavirus variant Kraken? The only reason you'd do that is if you wanted to inspire fear. Because that's what the name implies, as countless sailors felt about the legendary sea monster of the same name. In fact, the only reason that you would name something Kraken or Cthulhu, or Typhon, etc., is if you wanted to frighten people by drawing on the energy of what these things symbolize and what these things represent. Names are very powerful. Uh, and talk about names, talk about synchronicity. Um, I've talked about this for years on the show. I've always experienced this incredible synchronicity with reading books. I just, over the weekend, finished reading Graham Hancock's book, Underworld. I know I'm about 20 years late on that, but I just finished reading this book. And I didn't know that the very end of the book was about Japanese culture, about the Jomon, and about the uh, 
the uh, the obsession that the Japanese have had with changing natural landscapes, worshiping mountains, etc. I didn't know that that was how the book ended. I didn't know that was what inspired Graham Hancock to really search the underworld and underwater for uh, talking about Yanaguni and Kerama and other places uh, to search for this lost civilization that he's been theorizing about for decades. So I finish that while I'm getting into uh, my uh, non-beginner series of, 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 of the Japanese language, which I'm trying to learn Japanese. So I finished that book while I finished the beginner's course in Japanese. And I'm like, I'm learning all this stuff from the book unrelated to the language, learning new words and I'm learning the language. And then I, I thought, cause I finished the book and I got to start something else, maybe a little bit smaller because this book was like 600 plus pages, a huge book. And I thought I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to finish the last book in the Dune franchise chapter house. And I open it up, and it's, I think I'm two chapters, three chapters into it. And right at the beginning of the book, there's this statement. Because that way we lay claim to what we name. We assume an ownership. We lay claim to what we name. We assume an ownership. Now, this is synchronistic to me because this is the whole idea I had for tonight's show. Names are powerful. And when I thought of naming a coronavirus variant, the Kraken or Centaurus or whatever, and all the Hollywood stuff and the economic stuff and the viral videos and photographs of octopus or weird alligator, Typhon-like characters and creatures and monsters and uh, the Carolinas. Names are powerful, and you might think of, well, the Bible, Genesis 2, 19 through 20, where the Lord God had formed of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man, to Adam, to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. Man had dominion over what he named. Genesis 2, 19 through 20. Or in demonology, when you know the name of the demon, you control it. It's the same reason we provide names to things like heat waves and hurricanes and weather in general, or we talk about bomb cyclones or atmospheric rivers. By personalizing something, we can control it, and we can control other people's perception of it by naming it such a thing, which is the whole point that Dr. Ryan Gregory, the biology professor in Ontario, Canada, makes when he says all these names for COVID variants like XBB.1.5, that doesn't sound scary enough. Maybe people don't feel as if the coronavirus is that dangerous or deadly anymore or that much of a threat. So if we name it Kraken and we draw on all that energy of history and myth, it'll be a lot more frightening and people will take it a lot more seriously. What we lay claim to through naming allows us to assume ownership over it. Whether that's your legal name or it's the name of a new weapon system or it's the name of a new coronavirus variant, they have certainly, they collectively, released the Kraken, released Cthulhu. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you for joining us tonight, our first show of the week, Monday, January 9th, 2023. Artie at yahoo.com. Thesecretteachings.info is the website. A lot more after this. The music, White Bat Audio. Please don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss the rest of tonight's broadcast.
It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. Whether you're looking into finance or you're looking into Hollywood or you're looking into professional sports or comic books or whatever, you find the same themes, the same ideas, and the same images. You find the Kraken. You find Cthulhu. You find Typhon. You find monsters and demons and titans. People that pay attention and notice this pattern, those of you who listen to the secret teachings, might wonder... Why the obsession with these ideas, with these monsters, with these creatures, with these entities, with these energies, with these essences? Why does it seem to be everywhere? Almost as if a portal has been opened and these monsters have poured into our world, into our dimension, and they've taken over every aspect of our culture every aspect of our society, every aspect of our civilization. We can't exchange currency without thinking of Kraken. Kraken is a Bitcoin trading platform. We can't go to professional sports without seeing the Kraken. We can't even go to the beach without seeing the Kraken. Up in British Columbia, there's a report of a sighting of a Kraken, a giant, monstrous sea monster. It's on video. It's been photographed up in British Columbia. Some people are calling it the Kraken. A giant octopus has gone viral 
on TikTok up in British Columbia, and on the other side of Canada, way south into the United States, in North Carolina, a dark, slithering creature was seen by a boat captain. This creature, part alligator, part eel, part fish. I saw the video of it. It's pretty strange. It looks like something from the X-Files. Reminds me of Typhon, a demonic, devilish entity, character, god from ancient Egypt, effectively the Egyptian, uh, Egyptian devil. And Typhon is an alligator or crocodile-like mixture of other creatures, other monsters, who does terrible things like create violent storms and kills innocent people. He's a monster. That's what monsters do. Although monster can be quite subjective, can't it? Because if you worship the devil, if you're a Satanist, let's say, then those monsters and those demons are kind of like on your side. They're kind of like your friends. You see God as the enemy. So monsters can be, monsters can be subjective, of course. But the point I'm trying to get at, get at here is there's a new coronavirus variant. And this new variant is called the Kraken. The only reason it's called the Kraken, we'll get into the details in a second, is because XBB.1.5 isn't scary enough. So a biology professor at the University of Gulf in Ontario, Canada, said we need to use names like Kraken because Kraken is more powerful. Kraken will get people's attention. Kraken will force people to pay attention and to take this variant seriously. I just read an article before tonight's show that, once again, without any basis in reality, as we've seen over the last three years, XBB.1.5, that's the Kraken, will probably infect everyone. What you should know. And what you should know is that it's the most transmissible variant yet, and it's causing people to cough, it's causing people to have a stuffy nose. It's causing people to just generally feel like, well, they don't feel that good for a couple of hours. And then it's over. So XBB15 might actually be an appropriate designation for something that makes you cough a little bit and maybe have a sore throat and just not feel good for a couple hours. That's why they have to change the name to Kraken, because if you have to justify political and economic movements and adjustments in society based on a cough or a sniffle, that doesn't really seem justifiable. But if you call it the Kraken, then we have to do XYZ in order to fight XBB. We have to do these things politically and economically and socially to fight the Kraken, which is a much more powerful image and something that we can justify doing things, changing society, changing our lives, because we have to fight this monster. Names are really powerful. And it's the name that provides the designator with dominion over what is being named. So whether it's a biology professor, Dr. Ryan Gregory, or it's just the mainstream media in general, when things are named, and furthermore, when the names of things are changed, like for example... 
Zelensky was spelled with one Y. Now we're spelling it with two Ys. Maybe at some point we'll spell it with three Ys. Kiev is no longer Kiev. It's Kiev. Inflation was a word that Republicans taught you. Inflation isn't even a real thing, the media has told us. It's a word that was made up. The definitions and the way in which we, not just by dictionary definition, but by the way we we assume and imply things with the use of certain words like virus or vaccine or pandemic, all these words have been changed. And the people that change them, the people that rewrite the definition, change the pronunciation, it's very Orwellian. This provides them with the ability to acquire dominion over not only what is being named, but over the people that things like a virus or a vaccine or inflation might affect. They provide the designator with dominion over what is being named and over the people that that thing which is being named might influence, might affect in some way. If you go to the book of Genesis, Genesis two nineteen through 20, it says this, Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. If you grew up a Christian, or if you know this story, you know that Adam was given dominion over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock. And this is a word that people misinterpret. Dominion doesn't mean that Adam has a right and a duty to kill and to eat and to harm and to hunt and to murder. I'm not saying hunting is a bad thing. I'm saying that it doesn't mean Adam has a right to kill these animals. It means he has a right to protect them. He has a duty and a responsibility to protect them because as he names them, he obtains dominion over them and they are now his responsibility to take care of. So you, you, can't, you shouldn't be able to use Genesis 2, 19 through 20 to justify killing innocents for the, the sake of it because that's not what the Bible verse means in its original interpretation. Dominion means responsibility. It doesn't mean you have a right to murder and to kill. But the point is, Adam names these fish, names these birds, names these livestock, names these living creatures, and that gives him authority over them. Now, we could look at the esoteric aspect of what your name means. It's an identifier. It means that, and of course, you could write it in different ways, in all capitals or in lowercase, but your name is an identifying factor that puts you into a specific category in society, a a segment of society. Uh, The word name, the roots of it go back into Latin, where it was used as a designator to determine where you stood in Roman society. And it's still the the same thing that we have today in the modern world in contemporary times. You think of names like Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, Rothschild, although that name doesn't get put into the Forbes 500, but Vanderbilt, Rockefeller, Rothschild, Bill Gates, you know, now Elon Musk, you know, these are powerful names. And whether we're talking about railroad families or oil families, etc. We're talking now about technologists. We're talking about computers and people that build rockets and cars and things like that. These names are powerful. They have a lot of meaning. You say Rothschild, 
you say Rockefeller, people pay attention. People listen because those names are powerful. There's other names that are equally powerful in different ways, though. You say Trump and people literally break down and convulse. If you say words like, I mean, at one point it was Dr. Ron Paul. You say Dr. Ron Paul and people freak out. Now, if you say Trump, people freak out. Likewise, you say Hillary Clinton, people freak out. Names are powerful, whether we're talking about politics or we're talking about technology. And there are some names that when those names are uttered, you're supposed to think the very opposite of this aggressive kind of reaction. You're supposed to think this is a good person. We love this person. They can do nothing bad. Like if you say Joe Biden, you're supposed to say he doesn't have dementia He won the election with more votes than anybody's ever obtained, ever. Uh, More people that were even registered to vote in some places. And he is the best president ever. He does not pose a threat to national security. He has no backdoor dealings with Hunter Biden, his son, with Ukraine or with China. He's a good guy. And that's that's what you're supposed to think. That's how you're supposed to react. This is why, and I chose not to do a show on it, but the January 6th anniversary was at the end of last week. And January 6th, they had this big memorial-type thing in Washington. Uh, Nancy Pelosi and others got up and spoke, and they talked about it being an insurrection. And A couple of years ago, when January 6th, as a date, as it, as, as it occurred in real time, I remember watching it. It was referred to that day in the days following as Pearl Harbor. Somebody referred to it as Hiroshima. People referred to it as, well, kind of like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez talking about climate change. She said, it's our, quote, World War II. People referred to it as war. People referred to it as concentration camps and the Holocaust. Of course, that made some Jewish people really upset. But think about that. It doesn't matter what you think about January 6th, but think about how it was labeled. The name means a lot. They called it Hiroshima, where hundreds of thousands of people were vaporized in a second or less when that atomic bomb detonated. They called it Pearl Harbor, where thousands and thousands of U.S. soldiers were murdered. President of the United States kept the Pacific Fleet in order, in line, in Pearl Harbor, knowing the Japanese were going to attack. The Germans warned the United States, just like 9-11. The Germans and others warned George Bush. FDR was warned. He knew that there was going to be an attack on Pearl Harbor. It was used as justification to thrust the U.S. into war, just like the Lusitania was used to thrust the U.S. into World War I. The Germans warned the U.S. because, well, they didn't want the U.S. coming into the war, and Japan... There were a lot of reasons Japan attacked Pearl Harbor, but to, to assign that name to January 6th, isn't that a little bit offensive or a little bit overkill? They call it Hiroshima. They call it Pearl Harbor. It's been referred to as the Holocaust. When what happened? A couple people had heart attacks. Somebody committed suicide, and they call that an insurrection. Again, you don't have to be politically minded on the left or on the right to understand that to put those names and those ideas and the histories of those things like Pearl Harbor 
onto an event like January 6th, it implies and suggests that such an event was equal or perhaps even worse, or, you know, at the very least, that it warrants a similar designation as, as an event like Pearl Harbor or an event like Hiroshima or an event like, well, the Holocaust. The same energy and, and feeling that that name or those ideas and those histories warrant should be applied to January 6th. Names are very important. That's why they changed the name of virus, pandemic. They changed the name of vaccine or the definition of a vaccine. They tell you that the word inflation doesn't exist. It's a word that was made up by political opposition. They tell you things are great when things aren't great. They tell you things aren't great when things are great. This is how language is used to craft a narrative to change your perception of the world. Names are powerful. When Adam names the animals, livestock, the birds, the, 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 uh, the wild animals all around, anything that God created, he obtains dominion over those creatures. It doesn't mean he has a right to kill them. It means he has a duty to protect them. And talk about synchronicity. I was preparing tonight's show. I just finished this really big book that I was reading called Underworld, and I opened up the last book of the Dune franchise because I haven't read it yet. And uh, the very introduction to the book, a couple of pages in, there's this statement about how we lay claim to what we name. And what we name, we claim, and we assume ownership over it. I felt that was very synchronistic, and that told me, this is how I prepare shows, that told me uh, what you're doing is right, Ryan. So I read that, and I thought, well, we should probably focus on the name, the idea of the name more so tonight. That's synchronistically and intuitively what I was feeling. So I started, I read, you know, the, the book of Genesis 2, 19 through 20, that famous verse. And I thought of the name as it applies to other things like demonology. When you know the name of a demon, you have control over it. When you know the name of one of these demonic entities, you can do well pretty much anything you want to do with it. You can force it to give you information. You can, I mean, it's, they're, they're, they're tricks, tricksters, but you can try to force it to and manipulate it to uh, provide you with treasures, uh, or you can send it back to hell. So in the Bible, it's Adam naming animals to obtain dominion over them, which gives him a duty, not, not a, a right, but a duty to protect them. Uh, the usage in demonology of names controls the demon. The only reason that you would call January 6th an insurrection or Hiroshima or Nagasaki, or you would call it uh, Pearl Harbor, or you would call it a Holocaust, is if you want to invoke those feelings. It's the same way and the same reason in which we put names onto hurricanes and now heat waves and weather in general or bomb cyclones, or atmospheric rivers. We do that because those names anthropomorphize what is otherwise referred to, kind of in a silly way, I think, as a weather event. And the thing is, this was just earlier this morning, the White House has declared an emergency for California due to winter storms. Now, why? Exactly is a winter storm in California an emergency? Well, according to the White House, these storms killed 12 people in the last 10 days. 12 people in 10 days. 
warrants declaring a state of emergency in one of the largest, most populated states in the country where more people die from properly prescribed, if you can have such a thing, and properly taken, if you can have such a thing, pharmaceutical drugs every day than die in weather events. But 12 people dying in over a week is an emergency, but fentanyl overdoses is not. 12 people dying in 10 days is a state of emergency, but chronic homelessness, drug use, etc. is not an emergency. 12 people dying in 10 days is a state of disaster, but 1,600 people conservatively estimated on average by the Centers for Disease Control dying every single day from heart disease, which is treatable and preventable in those particular cases and reversible. 1,600 people dying from that, though, that's not an emergency. But 12 people dying from some kind of natural weather event, that's a state of emergency because it amplifies the idea that this is only happening because of climate change. In the same way that we talked about at the end of 2022, places like Buffalo, New York, get pummeled with snow and ice and terrible weather every single year. But now, and I just read an article on this again this morning, Western New York is reeling and suffering and mourning this terrible storm that hit. It wasn't even in the top three for the worst storms to ever hit Western New York. They got less snow in this recent storm than they had gotten earlier in the winter season. But you can tell people that some people died and it's really bad, and it's climate change, and people buy it. People believe it because they have no context unless they live in western New York or if they've been there, if they know anything about it. 12 people die in California. It's a state of emergency. January 6th, some people commit suicide. Some people have heart attacks. It's an insurrection. It's equivalent to Nagasaki and Hiroshima. It's equivalent to the mass murder of millions of Japanese citizens in the 1940s. It's the same thing, basically. It's the same. It's just like the Holocaust. 12 people dying in California might as well just be millions and millions of people being slaughtered because of natural weather events. So these are the things, whether it's hurricanes, heat waves, weather in general, bomb cyclones, atmospheric rivers, even if we're not naming them, an atmospheric river just means moisture. It's a, it's a real thing. It's a natural thing. It's never been talked about unless you're a meteorologist or you went to school for that kind of a thing. But now they start categorizing them. A Category 4 atmospheric river hit California a few days ago. And a Category 4, it's a, that's a big atmospheric river. Well, what does it mean? It just means moisture. That's literally what an atmospheric river is. It's a river of moisture in the atmosphere. That could mean rain. That could mean snow. That could mean sleet. That could mean a lot of things. But if you've never heard of that, which most people haven't, then that's pretty scary. An atmospheric river, what is happening with the climate well, an atmospheric river is not a new thing. A bomb cyclone. That's a powerful thing. Is it new? No. But if they start using that word, people pay attention. And when we personalize something, like we name a hurricane, we name a heat wave, we can control it and we can use it to control other people. So this is why, and this is the overall concept that I'm playing with tonight, from Hollywood or Bollywood, to professional sports and from media to healthcare, images, names, and descriptions of octopus and squid are legion. They're everywhere. Bollywood in particular, and I'm not talking about Bollywood, I'm talking about B A A L Y, wood, Bollywood. 
Hollywood is obsessed with using Lovecraftian images in movies, TV shows, even in the music industry. I mean, think about black goo. What is black goo? Black goo is the ink. What is the black goo or the ink in the X-Files? It's the substance by which the alien virus inhabits to transmit and to take over new hosts. The black goo is literally, whether we're talking about octopus or squid, it is a vehicle by which an alien virus can take possession of human bodies. Put that in the context with Hollywood in general, with professional sports, with comic books, etc. Professional hockey has the Seattle Kraken, a team that plays in Climate Pledge Arena, another obsession of the ever-changing narrative. Climate Pledge Arena had policies when they first opened, they've scaled these back slightly, of you have to wear a mask, you have to have a vaccine, everything's recycled, everything's this, everything's that, everything's very green. It's all just for image, of course. The only thing cool about that arena is that they recycle rainwater for the ice. That's kind of cool, but that doesn't, quote, save the world. But it's another obsession. Climate and COVID-19 mixed together and all that energy directed at the center ice image of the Kraken. Social media companies like Meta have also used recently the squid. I think it's still playing the squid as the centerpiece of their advertising campaign. In a new comic book series, a miniseries, you know, the characters Rick and Morty, the TV show, they're plunging, according to the miniseries, into a pit of Lovecraftian horror. Rick and Morty are now going into Lovecraft territory. A lot of stuff they do already in the show is very Lovecraftian, but now it's official. Rick and Morty are going into the world of H.P. Lovecraft. Space.com reported that Rick and Morty plunge into pit of Lovecraftian horror in new comic miniseries. We'll talk more about that in the second hour tonight. Also, one of my favorite heroes, one of my favorite superheroes, Batman. Batman goes Lovecraft for his next animated movie. Gizmodo reports that. We'll talk about that in the next hour as well. It's not only Batman. It's not only Rick and Morty. How about the U.S. Army? The U.S. Army just unveiled as delivered by Lockheed, a Typhon missile system. Who is Typhon? Well, Typhon is the god of storms. Typhon is the god who basically is, is a representation of chaos and destruction. Typhon is also, in mythology, compared to the Titans. And what are the Titans in Greek mythology? They represent weather. They represent earthquakes, volcanoes, wind, storms, etc. And that's what Typhon is. He's a god of storms. He's basically a titan. And when you watch, say, some of the new Godzillas, and you talk about, you hear the talk about the titans in the movie, uh, they're represented as these monsters, but you you basically, at the, at the foundational core of that, have the story of the Greek titans, which are, well, they're, they're weather events. Like uh, King Ghidorah. King Ghidorah is so massive, so big, so powerful. Ghidorah controls the weather. Uh, there's the, in the movie, the new Godzilla movie, Ghidorah is on top of the mountain, the volcano, controlling the wind, uh, basically bringing a hurricane with it wherever it goes. 
shooting electricity, lightning like Zeus. So these gods, goddesses, monsters, titans, etc., they're basically the weather. They're natural things that are turned into these monsters to warn us and to teach us of the dangers of certain things. And this is why we call things like, well, January 6th, an insurrection, or we call it Pearl Harbor. This is why we call weather events, weather events, or we call them by names. We name them hurricanes, heat waves, bombs, cyclones, atmospheric rivers. These, these names and associations are supposed to invoke fear and terror in people. Why do you think, when you look at Hollywood, when you look at the metaverse, when you look at Rick and Morty, when you look at Typhon missile systems, when you look at Batman, or you look at Bitcoin trading, Kraken is a Bitcoin trading platform. And now in a place you would probably least expect it, in the world of health and medicine, there's a new coronavirus variant. It's called Kraken. It's literally everywhere. And what does that name imply? It implies the legendary sea monster and the only reason you would even name something Kraken or Cthulhu or Typhon, etc., is if you wanted to invoke fear, if you wanted to frighten people, and if you wanted to draw on the energy of Cthulhu. As we've been talking about all throughout 2022, now into 2023, we're going to talk about the specifics of everything we discussed in the first hour tonight in the second hour. We're going to go through these articles what these designations mean, what they imply. Be a really great, really fun second hour. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings, rdgable at yahoo.com, secretteachings.info. More after this. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash the secret teachings. Hey there, it's Ryan Gable. You know you can always listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on GroundZero.radio. I don't need it. And for free in the monetized archives on our website or on any radio or podcast player. I don't need it. But you can also help support the show by subscribing to the ad-free archive with montages, digital books, and a private RSS feed. I definitely don't need it. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe today. I need it! Your support economically and energetically will keep us on air into the future. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Broadcasting from somewhere between heaven, hell, and purgatory, it's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Release the Kraken! 
Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. number two of the secret teachings i'm your host ryan gable thank you so much for joining us whenever and wherever you are listening around the world if you'd like to contact the show rdgable at yahoo.com or tst radio at protonmail.com you can also find us on twitter tst underscore underscore radio and on facebook at facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings can also listen to the secret teachings not only monday through friday 10 p.m pacific to midnight pacific starting at 10 30 p.m pacific on fridays on ground zero dot radio you can also listen to the show in the free archive at the secret teachings dot info or search the secret teachings on any radio or podcast player or application would really appreciate if you listen to the free archive too because we get income from that that's the main way we support the show second way is if you subscribe to the ad free archive on the website www.thesecretteachings.info you can also find my books there if you'd like to support what we do and what we do here on the show we play with words we play with ideas we look for patterns that are often overlooked tonight on the show the idea of a name and what a name signifies it means that you have ownership over something like when you name your pet Maybe even when you name your child. Names are powerful. They provide the designator with dominion over what is being named. Look at Genesis 2, 19 through 20. God created all these creatures, birds, fish, livestock, and he let Adam name them. Adam received dominion over what he named. Not a right to kill and slaughter, but a right to protect, a duty to protect. Look at demonology for those of you who Enjoy demonology. In demonology, you'll know, or if you've watched enough movies from Hollywood about demons, you'll know that when you have the name of a demon, you have power over that demon. Look at the way that we interpret weather. We call things weather events. We call them bomb cyclones, atmospheric rivers. Why? Because the average person doesn't know what those things mean. So when you say bomb cyclone or atmospheric river, which is just moisture in the air, those things sound really scary. And they imply that, politically speaking, they are the result of, quote-unquote, climate change. In the same way that we name hurricanes, we name heat waves, we name weather in general, it's a weather event. Or it's just wind. Or it's just rain. In the same way that we name these things, It's the same kind of a thing that if you look into Greek mythology and you read about the Titans, the Titans are volcanoes, the Titans are earthquakes, the Titans are storms, wind, rain, etc. This is personified by monsters like Ghidorah in the Godzilla franchise. King Ghidorah brings lightning and thunder and rain and hurricanes and typhoons and storms and Volcanic eruptions and earthquakes. Ghidorah is a personification of the weather in the same way that Typhon in Egypt, a god of destruction associated with giants or titans, is a god of weather and chaos. 
the crocodile or the alligator. It's the same reason that, think about January 6th, the anniversary a few days ago, last week. January 6th is called an insurrection. It's been compared to Pearl Harbor. It's been compared to Hiroshima. It's been compared to the Holocaust or one of the Holocausts. It's been compared to a lot of things. Why? Because those names sympathetically attract all the things that we think about a Holocaust or Hiroshima or Pearl Harbor. Terrible, traumatic, unprovoked, well, that's what they tell us, events, right? We'd had no choice but to drop atomic weapons on Japan. We had no idea, FDR said, that the Japanese were going to attack Pearl Harbor. It was unprovoked, except, you know, the fact that he froze Japanese assets and the fact that they knew, this is a whole other show, but the fact that they knew where the Japanese fleet uh, was going, right, to Pearl Harbor, that they kept the Pacific fleet in Pearl Harbor. I mean, FDR is responsible. It comes from a big, big, big banking family who, who won World War II. wasn't the Allies. It was the big banks. It was the big pharmaceutical companies. It was Bayer. It was it was Ford. It was General Motors. It was all the big the big corporations and banks. They won World War II. FDR was a big part of that. So to compare that to January sixth, it invokes this emotional response. This and it's 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 very, it should be considered offensive, but we don't we don't think that we we just know that's oh, it's a, that's a reasonable thing. It's a reasonable thing to call January sixth those 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 things like Pearl Harbor, Hiroshima. Or how about inflation? They, you know, they tell you inflation's a made-up word. Virus, vaccine, pandemic, all been redefined. When we personalize something, we can control it, and we can we can use it to control other people. From Hollywood to professional sports, from healthcare to media, you get these same ideas, these same images, these same names that refer to or show you the octopus or the squid. This is something we've noticed on the secret teachings over years and years of research and, and broadcasting, that Hollywood in particular is obsessed with Lovecraftian images, movies, TV shows, the music industry. Think about Black Goo, whether that's a Billie Eilish song or it's the X-Files. Black Goo is oil. It's a vehicle for an alien virus to take possession of people and to force them to do with their bodies what the aliens want them to do. It's kind of the idea of what Jordy Rose talked about with the quantum computer. Black Goo is also ink. Think octopus, think squid. What is ink? Ink is in the pen. The pen is mightier than the sword. The pen can create new worlds. The pen can pin you into kind of like a paddock. It can pin you mentally and physically. The pen is used to tell you that inflation is a made-up thing. The pen is, told, is used to tell you that January 6th is basically the dropping of an atomic bomb on Washington, D.C., Black goo is a vehicle. Ink is a vehicle. A pen is mightier than the sword. We've talked about the Seattle Kraken hockey team. We've talked about Meta using the squid in their commercials. We've talked about Rick and Morty in a Lovecraftian universe now. Batman is going to be in Lovecraft-themed um, Lovecraft universe, uh, in a Lovecraft-themed universe for his next animated movie. The U.S. Army just unveiled their Typhon missile system. We've got reports out of British Columbia, close to Seattle, of a giant, enormous octopus. It's on video. And you've got this Typhon-looking monster in North Carolina. You've also got recent reports of 
this is not my my terminology. This is what the scientists are saying. One scientist, uh, lecturer on paleontology and evolutionary biology at the University of Bath, talking about mosasaurs or sea monsters and new fossils. All of this coming out in the last week and a half to two weeks. And also, one place you wouldn't think that you would find this kind of imagery and I don't mean you as an audience, I mean like the average person wouldn't think this if they noticed all these other you know, uh, images and patterns. You probably wouldn't think you'd see it in hospitals or you'd see it in doctor's offices or you'd see the CDC or the WHO or whatever or whoever talking about Lovecraft. But now they are because the new coronavirus variant XBB15 or XBB.1.5, which they're telling us is the most contagious ever, and that it's everybody's going to get it. They've said that so many times, it's just unbelievable, truly. But now they're calling it Kraken. They're calling it Kraken because Dr. Ryan Gregory, a biology professor from Ontario, Canada, said, if we don't use a powerful name like Kraken, what's going to happen is people won't think XBB.1.5 is very dangerous or deadly. They'll drop their guard. I mean, admittedly, XBB15 sounds like some kind of Star Wars droid. So what do they do? They change the name. Kraken. Kraken sounds more dangerous. So we're going to go through some of these articles now. We've recapped. We've gotten into the heart of the matter. Let's look at what, in this particular article, Fortune is reporting. New strains of Omicron are becoming increasingly more transmissible and evasive with the ability to dodge immunity from prior vaccination and infection, or maybe the vaccines just didn't work at all to begin with, using the term Omicron, vaccines now are also the leading, the, 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 they're the leading cause of, just like polio, the leading cause of coronavirus. People are getting sick from the vaccines. The people are dying. Uh, the, the, the rate of death now is almost exclusively people who have been vaccinated. People who haven't been vaccinated aren't, aren't dying. Using the term Omicron to describe them just isn't cutting it anymore, says Dr. Ryan Gregory, biology professor at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. Now, I'm not sure actually how to pronounce that, Guelph, but it sounds like ghoul, goblin, something like that. Goblin mode, right? Goblin, ghoul, gnome, gob, the king of the gnomes, goblins, elves. Anyway, Guelph in Ontario, Canada, he told Fortune that just not cutting it anymore to just name these things Omicron or whatever. He recently named the rising COVID variant XBB.1.5 Kraken. The article goes on to say, everyone knows the names of the major COVID variants like Alpha, Delta, and Omicron. But last year, viral evolution shifted. It just changes like that. Muddying the waters as well as the names of the major variants. Instead of spawning entirely new variants, COVID began evolving with Omicron itself at a breakneck pace, no less. Now, the World Health Organization, which is usually the one that figures out what to call the newest variants, uh, variants they stopped using Greek letters after Omicron. Remember, they stopped using those letters. We'll get to the reason why in a second arguing that the new variants weren't different enough to warrant nicknames. That's because the new variants are probably things coming out of the body like exosomes and they have nothing to do with viruses that are mutating in the wild and causing you with a distinct system of uh, list of a symptom complex causing you to be sick. But that's neither here nor there. 
New strains of Omicron are becoming increasingly more transmissible and evasive. You notice they don't say deadly, just transmissible. Although they can't prove that either. Just any kind of sniffler cough is considered transmission, even if you're not actually sick. And they say that this new Omicron or Kraken, any variant really, has the ability to, quote, dodge immunity from prior vaccination and infection. Well, that's convenient. Who does that benefit? Pharmaceutical companies. They can just keep coming up with new variant vaccines. You can just get on that list to get your vaccine every six months. That's what Bill Gates said. That's what uh, Stefan Bonsell said. You're going to get an update vac- updated vaccine just like an iPhone. He holds an iPhone up. Kraken is what Ryan Gregory, the doctor, professor of biology, calls XB15, which the WHO declared the most transmissible Omicron variant yet. Not the most deadly, just the most transmissible, which means virtually nothing. For months, Gregory has worked to offer up street names for complicated COVID strains in a bid to better communicate the evolving Omicron threat to the public. So they have to communicate that there's a threat. And XBB15, a Star Wars droid, is not conjuring up that kind of fear and the kind of terror to justify the types of responses that they want. So they have to conjure new names. With input from professional and citizen scientists, not sure what that is, around the globe, Gregory, the doctor, has compiled a list of memorable monikers from Greek mythology and other realms. Here are some of the names that he says we could call these new variants. Chiron, that's C-H-I-R-O-N, that's one of the centaurs, and the son of the titan Kronos, so it's the son of Saturn, so it's a titan, a demon, Argus, Basilisk, and Typhon. Argus is a giant, or a titan, in Greek mythology. The Basilisk, if you've seen Harry Potter, you know all about the Basilisk, the basilisk is this serpentine, dragon-like monster. The basilisk is a serpent, a cobra, whatever you choose to call it. A monster with the power to destroy all animal and vegetable life by the mere look of its eyes. You turn to stone like Medusa. And of course, Typhon. Typhon's also a titan. Titanfon, really. Typhon is a titan, a giant. Typhon is a god who is basically the Egyptian devil. Crocodile, alligator, mixture. You can see Hermes Trismegistus standing on the back of Typhon in um, one of the, uh, the platelets in Manly Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages. If you type that in, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, Typhon, you'll see the plate from the book. It's a really good depiction is why I bring it up. I think even... Hermes might even have the emerald tablet in his hand while he's standing on the back of Typhon. But Typhon can breathe fire. Typhon is a god of storms, so you get lightning and thunder and rain and wind. Pretty much like King Ghidorah in Godzilla. King Ghidorah, which if you watch the new Godzillas, they really hammer on the idea that Ghidorah, Godzilla, all of these monsters are really titans that have been hidden inside of the earth, frozen or buried, gone dormant, and now are coming back to life. That's the whole, the whole theme of the new Godzilla franchise. 
uh, or the new Godzilla series that, that, that have come out. So you've got Sharon, Argus, Basilisk, and Typhon. These are all titans, or they are monsters that can, well, they can destroy a lot of things. And furthermore, Sharon is the son of Saturn, literally the son of the devil, so very much like Lucifer. So the point is, Sharon, Argus, Baskela, Typhon, or the Kraken, Dr. Gregory says, these are the names that we should be using for Omicron variants that pose a threat to humanity. He told Fortune he was inspired by a Twitter user who dubbed the Omicron strain BA.2.75 Centaurus this summer and saw the media and some experts pick up the moniker. So think about this. What exactly do you think is happening here? You could name these variants anything. The whole point of naming a hurricane, you just go down through a list, you know, Hurricane Andrew, Hurricane Gene, Hurricane whatever. You know, those names aren't really threatening, but they anthropomorphize the storm. They give us this idea that there's there's an energy or there's an essence or there's a life force there. Maybe they make it make us take it a little bit more seriously, etc. And maybe that's why they name heat waves as well, although that certainly is to inspire fear, to conjure anxiety and terror, and then you're supposed to react the way that they want you to react, and they can justify all the things that they want to do. But the point is, when you name a hurricane, it's just a name. So why couldn't we just name these variants in the same way? I mean, why can't we just call these variants, like, why can't we just number them? Why can't we just, you know, have a classification system that's consistent? See, it was consistent until the variant G was announced, and then people said, you can't do that because it's racist, and that refers to China's dictator, Xi Jinping. So they stopped using the Greek classification system, and we shifted to numbers and letters and just a big old mix ma- mixing and matching of these, of these things into new variant names like BA275 or XBB, etc., BA275 was classified by a Twitter user as Centaurus. And Dr. Gregory thought, hey, what we should do here is we should name the new variants terrifying things like, well, I don't know, the Kraken. The Kraken. You name it the Kraken. What does that mean? You're invoking and drawing on that power in the same way if you were to call it Argus or Chiron, the son of Saturn, or Kronos, the Basilisk. I mean, the Basilisk is a really great example because the Basilisk freezes you. You turn almost to stone or you die. Very similar to Medusa. And what happens when people are met with COVID-19? They freeze up, they mask, they vaccine, they stay home, they panic, they don't know what to do, the world's over, the world's going to end. That's the Basilisk. And Typhon... The U.S. Army just unveiled their Typhon missile system. And why does the U.S. Army call things Typhon? Why do they call things Chinook, Apache, Black Hawk, Tomahawk? Because they're drawing on the power of those items, those weapons, those tools. They're drawing on the power of the Apache or the Black Hawk or any other Indian tribe. 
because of the lore, because of the, 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 the qualities of their warriors, the power, in the same way that tribal uh, conflicts anywhere in the world, you look, Africa, South America, you look into history and people used to eat some of the flesh or some of the body of, of the dead fallen enemy after battle because they thought they could absorb their power. That's not a new thing. That's something that still goes on today. That happens in Ukraine. You've seen the weird blood rituals, the blood and soy rituals they do. You see the blood rituals where they, they're, they're, they cook up and eat a heart. Same thing's happening today. Contemporary times does not mean that people don't do these things. They still believe in the sympathetic qualities of the various kingdoms of, of life, animal, plant, you know, etc. Uh, they, they still believe in the sympathetic magic of using certain colors or certain ideas, certain images, certain animals, insects, minerals, whatever, to draw in the power and the influence that they want. So calling things Chiron, Argus, Basilisk, Typhon, or Kraken, there's a lot of power in that. And the only reason you do it, which Dr. Gregory admits is the purpose, is to frighten people so that they think, this is really, really dangerous. I need to do something to protect myself. Another doctor, Dr. Raj Rajnara Yanan, Assistant Dean of Research and Associate Professor at the New York Institute of Technology campus in Jonesboro, Arkansas, is on Gregory's informal team to develop nicknames for particularly troublesome Omicron spinoffs. Experts like Gregory and Raj Narayanan worry that a lack of new and specific names for Omicron variants could lead members of the public to draw false conclusions, like that the virus isn't evolving, or that a months ago infection with Omicron will confer protection against newer strains of Omicron, which isn't necessarily true. It's amazing how science can change so quickly. I thought if you got sick with something... You developed antibodies and you really don't get sick with it again. Well, these are new variants. Well, weren't there always new variants of flus, et cetera, et cetera? Isn't that why you can't fight the common cold and you can't really fight the flu? Isn't that why the flu vaccine is only 16% effective or 84% ineffective? Because things change. Maybe it's not the flu or the cold that needs to be fought. It's just a natural process by which you detox. And some people do it a lot more often than others. And then you're fine. What about people that die from it? Well, some people's bodies can't handle it because they're elderly, which is where most of the deaths from COVID-19 come from. Basilisk here, Hydra there, says Fortune. When describing potentially threatened variants, the WHO currently uses the so-called Pango lineages, combinations of letters and numbers you've likely heard of, like BA2.75.2 and BA4.6. But that's changing. Pango labels are being replaced with new names because COVID keeps spawning new mutations. There are other lists of names to tap planets, stars, constellations, and galaxies. Maybe like the Andromeda variant, right? The Pleiades variant, Draco, Draco, that'd be a good one, Draco variant. That's going to terrify people. Call it the Slytherin variant, the Voldemort variant. Just any name of any kind of evil character that's ever been in a movie or in mythology, just start naming them that. That's what we should do. And that's what they are doing. Basilisk, Kraken, Charon, the son of Kronos, Argus, the giant. I mean, you might as well just name them the devil variant. The ball variant. Uh, the, the Astaroth variant. Lucifer variant. I mean, that would frighten a lot of people. You know? 
That's the whole point. That's what they're trying to do. Kraken COVID symptoms. This is also Fortune and Yahoo Finance. Let's see what these Kraken COVID symptoms are. Kraken, which comes out of the Twitterverse, according to this article, as we talked about in the other article as well, COVID hospitalizations have spiked in the past week as a new escaped variant. It wasn't escaped. It was released. Released the Kraken. I'm not even saying from a laboratory. I don't believe that that's what exactly happened. I think that's a clever alternative narrative that has been perpetuated by quote-unquote alternative media, which is no different than the mainstream media. I think that what has escaped or what has been released is an idea, and that is done with the pen, which is mightier than the sword. That is the ink or the black goo of the squid, the octopus, the black goo, the vehicle for that possessive alien virus in the X-Files. Release the Kraken. The Kraken has escaped, whatever you want to call it. But they say it's sweeping across the country. Hospitalizations are up. Not deaths, not people sick, just hospitalizations, which could be from anything. You just test positive, and suddenly there you are sick with this variant. What are the Kraken symptoms? Well, this is from the article. This is what they want you to know. And this is January 6th, by the way, this article came out. Uh, Runny nose, sore throat, cough, congestion. Those are literally the symptoms. That's it. I'm going to read it to you again. Runny nose, sore throat, cough, and congestion. You can literally get these things by cleaning your house. If you have a sensitive nose, you breathe incense. You can get a runny nose, cough, and congestion. But no, those are the symptoms of a deadly variant called Kraken. Kraken is deadly. Sharon is deadly. Argus is deadly. Basilisk. The Voldemort variant. The devil variant. See what's happening here is they're drawing on what is called Sympathetic magic, they're drawing on the energy of these mythological characters. They're manufacturing fear. They're conjuring demons. Just like we talked about on one of our first shows of the year, silly rabbit tricks are for the Antichrist. We talked about this on, quite frankly, recently with Frank as well. And we discussed how there is an apocalypse or an Armageddon, which is artificial, which is being constructed by the Vatican, by the White House, and by Buckingham Palace. The three pillars are the three horns that are plucked for the smaller horn to take power. The red dragon gives the beast his power. That's Prince Charles giving perhaps Prince William the power. Prince William was injured when he was young, just like one of the heads of the beast. The beast is given power by the red dragon. They're manufacturing the apocalypse. And when Jesus doesn't come to save you, you lose all faith. Manufacturing of the apocalypse, manufacturing of this emergence, like from the Eternals. That's why they're naming these things the way that they're naming them. And it's not only names and ideas, it's also real sea monsters, real kraken. Real slithering Typhon-like creatures, videoed, photographed, and sighted recently in the Carolinas and in British Columbia, not too far from Seattle, mind you, where that big shrine to Cthulhu is. And then here appears an actual giant octopus kraken. This is conjuring. This is invocation. This is summoning. And when they use these names, they're drawing on the sympathetic magic, sympathetic energies 
of these characters in mythology. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. More after this when we come back from break. Don't go anywhere. It's 2023, the year of the rabbit, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings on GroundZero.radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player, or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to the secret teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's the secret teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. This is David John Oates from ReverseSpeech.com. You are listening to The Secret Teaching with Ron Gable. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is the frequency of The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Using names like Kraken, Shiran, or names like Typhon or Basilisk, whether that's for a new COVID-19 variant or that's for a new missile system for the military or it's for a Bitcoin trading platform or it's for a new mini comic book series of Rick and Morty or Batman or the Seattle Kraken NHL hockey team, or it's movies and TV shows, it's in the music industry, Hollywood, Bollywood, etc., you name it. All of these things are combining through sympathetic magic to conjure, summon, and invoke real-life monsters, not just ideas, but real-life monsters into the world. That's why it's not a coincidence, I don't think, and it's very spooky, that recently in North Carolina... This is not disputed as a real monster or creature yet identified in the water that a creature that looks part alligator, fish, and eel, pretty good description of Typhon, is the subject of an online debate after being recorded in the waters off of southeastern North Carolina. If you watch it, maybe it is fake. I don't know, but it looks pretty real to me, and it pretty, it's pretty disturbing considering 
the implications of what that suggests, largely because on the other side of the country, just a little bit north into British Columbia, the video of a giant octopus that has been circulating has gone viral on TikTok. A woman was out on the water with her family placing prawn traps when this giant octopus from the Pacific appeared. Port Alberni, British Columbia native Brooke Satar shared a clip of the octopus on TikTok on Wednesday where millions of people have since seen the ocean creature. This monster, this creature, this octopus was clinging to the side of one of these prawn traps, wrapping its tentacles around the cage. Satar said the octopus held on for two or three minutes before it swam away. British Columbia isn't too far from the Seattle Kraken, which I've maintained as a shrine or an altar to Cthulhu. Batman goes Lovecraft for his next animated movie, Gizmodo. Over the decades, animation featuring Batman has taken the Dark Knight down some interesting avenues. Beyond seeing him at best and most green, we've seen him get out of his relative comfort zone by singing or becoming a ninja. But for the next animated adventure, he'll be winding back the clock all the way back to the 1920s. Revealed earlier this week, this was in December, Batman, the doom that came to Gotham, will see an alternative version of the character in the Gotham of that time period attempt to push back an ancient evil that has accidentally been awoken. An ancient evil which comes directly from the Lovecraft universe. Accidentally awoke. Just like in Stranger Things, they accidentally ripped a portal doorway, a gateway, open into the upside-down world. And these Lovecraftian-type monsters came out of it. It was an accident through remote viewing, trying to uh, remote view the Soviets. An ancient evil that Batman, that he accidentally awoke. The arrival of that being known as Lurker on the threshold results in a crop of supernatural beings making their presence known in Gotham. Just like Stranger Things, Lurker on the threshold, supernatural beings making their presence known in Gotham, such as Raz al Ghul and Jason Blood. Other characters slated to appear include Dick Grayson, Oracle, Grendon, Mr. Freeze, and Kai Lee Shane. The film itself is based on a three-issue 2000 miniseries of the same name from Hellboy's Mike Mignola, Richard Pace, Troy Nixie, and Dennis Jank. Also... For those of you who have seen Hellboy, Hellboy fights a giant octopus-like squid creature. And although I don't know uh, the story of the Watchmen that well, I remember someone had sent me, very sure Derek Murphy sent this to me, a um, a description of what the original uh, storyline or plotline for Watchmen was going to be. And it was writers, using ink, writers who were creating this this story, this this idea of a portal opening, this monster coming into Manhattan. And then in the story where they're creating this fictional account, it actually happens and this portal opens up over Manhattan and this giant tentacle-like monster comes out of it and wreaks havoc. It literally, using the pen to create this world and then the world coming to life seen that in like the Twilight Zone or uh, I think it's a John Carpenter film as well. You get that same idea in it, just creating this world and then it coming to life. But Hellboy, 
uh, Watchmen, uh, The Eternals, which was inspired by Sitchin's work, uh, Aliens, Lovecraft, Monsters, Gateways, Portals, Dimensions, you name it. I mean, all of this stuff is is like the centerpiece, the focal point of, of virtually anything and everything out of Hollywood. Uh, there's also something really, really strange that Derek Murphy sent me. He's going to be on the show tomorrow. For those of you who like Derek, I know that'll be a treat. He sent me this article from 2020. He just said he accidentally came across it while he was looking for stuff for, for tomorrow's show. Uh, tomorrow's show we're going to call Lovecrafting the Future. Listen to this article from Live Science. And, and after Derek sent this to me, I thought, I felt like I've read this before. It, it almost felt like I had, I don't think I talked about it, but I think I skimmed it maybe one time. It was a two-year, three-year-old article. It says, giant viruses spew their DNA through a stargate. Now scientists know what triggers them. Scientists, this is live science. This isn't some kind of like weird science fiction website. Scientists combined several techniques to study the massive viruses in action. These giant viruses, which measured about 10 times the size of typical cold viruses, infiltrate cells and inject their DNA through a special portal known as Stargate. Now, detailed new images have revealed that what these conditions look like prompt the Stargate to open and what drives the viruses to infect. Viruses, giant or otherwise, lack the machinery required to make copies of their DNA. And it goes on to describe the theory of viruses anyway. Giant viruses have a special portal for this job, the Stargate. Not only is it called a Stargate, but listen to this. Shaped like a splayed starfish with five legs, the Stargate lies on the surface of a virus and remains sealed during much of its life cycle. Now, I don't know if you've seen the giant starfish, giant starfish in the Suicide Squad movie. Seen Suicide Squad? Uh, the first one was, in my opinion, pretty bad. The second one was even worse. Uh, but you have this giant starfish creature, and it sends out these little creatures to take over the head or the, the face, like the face huggers in Alien, or the, um, the cordyceps fungus that grows over the heads in The Last of Us, which I believe is a TV show coming out now. I'm pretty excited about that. I love that video game. So you have the starfish... And it's literally, I mean, literally what is in Suicide Squad 2, which was, as far as I'm concerned, one of the worst movies movies I ever saw. The giant starfish, which takes over people's bodies by taking control of their head. This is what live science says about these giant viruses that open portals. They have a stargate to come into your cells. They're shaped like a splayed starfish with five legs. The stargate lies on the surface of the virus and remains sealed during much of its life cycle. So... Even virology is saying viruses infect you because of stargates and portals. And this this thing that they describe as a basically a pentagram, a giant starfish shaped like a splayed starfish with five legs. The stargate lies on the surface of the virus there. So the, the virus has a stargate or a giant starfish, the same kind of a thing that you saw in Suicide Squad 2, which although I thought was one of the worst movies I ever spent money to see, it was a drive-in theater, I might have to go back and watch that now. You've got this giant all-seeing eye, you've got these hive mind, um, hive mind collectivized minds that are created and merged together through these little, I think they were little tiny starfish that latched onto people's faces, like the face hugger, 
and then it controls people through these through these um, through these little tiny starfish. It's kind of like a um, uh, what was that movie? Sponge was it the SpongeBob? I think it was the SpongeBob movie, the original SpongeBob movie, the good one. Uh, where Plankton had this idea to give, he gave away these free chum buckets because his restaurant's an old chum bucket that's at the bottom of the ocean. So he gives people these chum buckets and once everybody gets a free chum bucket, the chum bucket comes over their head, this red light activates and now he has an, I might, I don't know if it was the, I think it was the movie, but he has these chum buckets that go over your head and then they, they activate and they take over your body just like the starfish and suicide squad too. So, I mean, suicide squad or SpongeBob, take your pick. Same idea. This monster creating this, this, this army of, of brain dead, um, basically husks shells where the soul or the spirit is removed. And I got onto that because I'm thinking aliens, monsters, portals, comic books. I'm thinking the eternals, and of course, the Watchmen with the original storyline. And then that takes me back to Hellboy. Hellboy fought this giant squid octopus thing. And Hellboy, um, Hellboy's Mike Bignola, Richard Pace, Troy Nixie, and Dennis Jank. Uh, I, I guess it says the, this is the new Batman film. The film itself is based on the three-issue 2000 miniseries of the same name uh, from these guys from Hellboy. So these Hellboy guys created... The Doom That Came to Gotham, which is a Lovecraftian story about a, quote, ancient evil that was accidentally awoke by Batman. Uh, the monster is called Lurker on the Threshold, and there's a bunch of other supernatural beings that make their presence known in Gotham. It's from the same people that, that did Hellboy. So, and, and, and so no, no matter what you're looking at, Batman, SpongeBob, Suicide Squad, you name a comic, you name a cartoon... I mean, take a listen to this. Rick and Morty plunge into pit of Lovecraftian horror and new comic miniseries. Like literally everything from professional sports to Bitcoin trading to the new COVID variant to cartoons to comics. Literally everything, including social media companies like Meta. Real videos of Typhon off the coast of North Carolina or a giant octopus videoed in British Columbia. The Kraken, Cthulhu, is capital letters, literally, everywhere. Take a listen to this. Rick and Morty plunge into pit of Lovecraftian horror in new comic miniseries. Now, I just, I just watched Rick and Morty for the first time all the way through to season... I'm, I'm on the last season. Now I just started it. I don't really like Rick and Morty that much, but there are some things I really, really like about it. It's kind of a mixed bag of goods for me. There's something about the creators of that show that I don't like. I find them per perverted and I find them disturbing. That whole baby rape thing uh, outside of Rick and Morty really got me. Uh, I didn't like, I just don't like the creators of the show. But there's some things that are funny, some things that are kind of weird. But it, the whole thing is kind of like Lovecraft. It's I mean, They're literally traveling through the multiverse, like Doctor Strange or Everything Everywhere All at Once. They're literally traveling through the infinite multiverse. You know, the common theme is that, you know, Rick always has unlimited infinite daughters and unlimited infinite universes. There's unlimited infinite Mortys and everything else. Rick and Morty now are plunging into a very specific, though, very specific Lovecraftian kind of imagery and story. 
Here's what the article from Space.com says. The portal-hopping multiversal explorers Rick and Morty have encountered some formidable foes in their misadventures over the years, but none so ferociously evil as horror legend H.P. Lovecraft's amphibious great old one, Cthulhu. And if you look at the comic book, I got a print of it here. I actually would like to get the comic book itself. I'd actually like to read it. The name of the comic is Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu. That's literally what the name of the comic is. Portland-based Ani Press is injecting the madcap heroes into the fathomless depths of cosmic nightmares for the recently released Rick and Morty versus Cthulhu. Portland-based. That's kind of funny because that's, well, not too far from Seattle up there in the Pacific Northwest. A lot of monsters up there. Written by industry veteran Jim Zub and crammed with psychedelic artwork from illustrator Troy Little and colorist Leonard Ito, this odd four-part odyssey offers plenty of the signature insanity and hilarity we've come to expect in the franchise. Rick and Morty are plunging into a new frontier of Lovecraftian horror in the Rick and Morty vs. Cthulhu miniseries from Ani Press. And then you can see here, if you look at the article space.com, you can see the uh, the image, or just type in Rick and Morty Cthulhu, and it should bring it up. So in Rick and Morty, they're already hopping through the multiverse, and here you go. Now they're fighting Cthulhu, literally. It's almost as if, over the last year in particular, we talked a lot about the associated images of Cthulhu, like, like the Kraken, right? Uh, or squid or octopus in general, or the black goo, the ink. Pen is mightier than the sword. We talked about that for years on The Secret Teachings, a, a lot last year. We talked about that quite a bit last year. But every time we've talked about it, we've only been able to kind of reference Cthulhu as the source of all of these ideas and images. Now we don't have to reference Cthulhu. Now literally Batman is fighting Lovecraft monsters. Now, literally, Rick and Morty are fighting Cthulhu. 100% Lovecraftian horror. Not inspired by, just it is Lovecraft now. And not only that, but according to Nicholas Longrich, senior lecturer in paleontology and evolutionary biology at the University of Bath, 66 million years ago, sea monsters really did exist. You can read this article from The Conversation. Sea monsters were real millions of years ago. New fossils tell about their rise and fall. And I just thought this article was interesting because on top of the news about this dark, slithering creature in North Carolina on January 5th, the video was uploaded on the 3rd, and this British Columbia giant octopus, this was on the 31st of December, all within the same time frame. In fact, before the octopus, the sea monster article came out. And then right after that, the typhon creature in North Carolina. And then that, that's important to make the distinction. The octopus or the kraken is in British Columbia. But what was seen in North Carolina isn't kraken-like. It's typhon-like. And typhon is one of the names that Dr. Gregory, Dr. Ryan Gregory, biology professor in Ontario, Canada, typhon and kraken are two of the names that well, he chose Kraken for the new COVID-19 variant, and he says that we could also rely on Chiron, the son of Saturn or Kronos, and we could also rely on names like Basilisk or Typhon, who is a titan, god of storms and destruction and chaos. So here is 
sea monsters. These sea monsters were mosasaurs, M-O-S-A-S-A-U-R-S, huge marine lizards that lived at that same time period of about 60-something million years ago with the dinosaurs. Now, you might not believe in dinosaurs. That's okay. But it's the synchronicity and the pattern here that I'm interested in on the secret teachings. Growing up to 12 meters long, Mosasaurs looked like a Komodo dragon with flippers and a shark-like tail. They were also wildly diverse, evolving dozens of species that filled different niches. Some ate fish and squid. Some ate shellfish and ammonites or ammonites. Where do you live? In an enemy. In an anemone. So 12 meters long. You know, I don't know meters, so I have to go and I have to do the little bit of a of a tw- of a trans uh, excuse me a translation. I have to kind of search and find how many feet that is. And it, you know, I, I I don't know how long this creature was in um, in North Carolina, but it it wasn't a it wasn't a few few feet. It was if you, twelve meters is about forty feet, something like that. Again, I don't know how long this creature was, but when I watched the video, I take a guess. It's it's pretty close to 30, 40 feet long. That's just an average that's given for these mosasaurs. So I want you to think about that for a second. University of Bath, this report comes out about mosasaurs, that's sea monsters and new fossils that have been found. And they're literally described as marine lizards that lived the same time as the dinosaurs, they were like Komodo dragons with flippers and a shark-like tail. And then, that was on the 29th of December, less than a week later, a creature that looked like an alligator, a fish, and an eel, this is just what people initially said they saw, has been recorded in the waters off of the coast of North Carolina. So it's like, here's a study acknowledging that there's some kind of creature, some kind of monster, and here it is in North Carolina. We hear all this stuff about the Kraken, the new, the new variant of COVID-19, the Kraken. And here's a story literally the same week that we hear about this new variant. And there's literally a Kraken in British Columbia, a giant octopus filmed in B.C., I believe at Port Alberni in B.C. That's where Brooke Satar filmed the octopus attached to her prawn traps. And this thing was big, too was not small. Maybe it's a hoax. Maybe it's all made up. I mean, Batman and Lovecraft, that's made up stuff, but it's being merged together. It's very real to people. Rick and Morty's made up, but the multiverse theoretically is real, and they've been going through the multiverse. Now they're just going to jump into Lovecraft's universe, which they weren't too far from in the first place. So I need to think about all this. Put all this into context. Why do we name things the way that we name things? Because we lay claim to what we name and we assume ownership. A synchronicity that I found reading Chapter House, the last book in the Dune franchise. I was preparing for tonight's show. I just finished a recent uh, book I've been working on recently for a couple of weeks. And then I opened up Dune and the first thing I read here that stood out to me and I highlighted it was what we lay claim to or what we we claim we we name uh, and we assume ownership over what we name. Names are powerful. Look at Genesis 2, 19 through 20. God creates the the fish and the birds and the animals. Adam names them. He has dominion over them, which means that he has a duty to protect them, not a right to kill them. Look at demonology. You know the name of the demon, Valak, Baal, Astaroth, you name it. You have power over that demon. Look at the way that we name hurricanes. 
weather events, heat waves. We anthropomorphize them. We give them a name. Then we can feel the power of that storm, even when it's not hitting us. We give it a name when we know that storm, when we, when we can see that storm coming, there's more power and energy behind it. We talk about bomb cyclones or atmospheric rivers, which are just moisture in the air. Not new words, but for some people, they're new words, and they frighten people because a Category 4 atmospheric river, that sounds pretty severe. Category 4 hurricane's pretty bad. We tell people that inflation's a made-up word. Viruses, vaccines, and pandemics, we've redefined these words. We personalize things so we can control it. We can use it also to control other people. This is why... Last week, we had the anniversary of January 6th, which is, by the way, the Feast of Epiphany. Very important, significant date. But January 6th, they've called Hiroshima, they've called Pearl Harbor, they've called the Holocaust, even though people had heart attacks and committed suicide, and no, nobody died from, I mean, an insurrection is when people bring weapons and then actually kill a bunch of people in an attempt to overthrow the government. That's not what happened on January 6th, no matter what you think. That's not what happened on January 6th. So January 6th, they call it these things because they're invoking Pearl Harbor. They're invoking the surprise attack. They're invoking Hiroshima, the murder of hundreds of thousands of Japanese. They're invoking the Holocaust, the supposed murder of 6 million Jews. I personally don't believe 6 million Jews were killed because there weren't that many Jews in German territory at the time. And enough people after the war claimed that they were the, the victims of that, and they collected money, and they're still collecting money to this day. They're just The statistics don't match up, but nevertheless, they're invoking the idea of it. January 6th, Hiroshima, Holocaust, which Holocaust means death by fire. So really, Hiroshima and Nagasaki were Holocausts, but that's neither here nor there. When you personalize something, again, you control it. You use it to control perhaps other people, at least people's perceptions of things, which is the whole point of what Dr. Ryan Gregory said about Omicron, it's not scary to call it XBB15. We need to call it Kraken. We need to call it, you might as well call it Cthulhu. We need to call it Typhon or Basilisk or Argus or Chiron, the son of Kronos or Saturn. You see this everywhere. Professional sports, the Seattle Kraken. Media, you see it in healthcare. You see it in Hollywood. You see it everywhere. Social media, Meta is using the squid. Hollywood movies, TV shows, movies uh, that um, uh, movies, TV shows, music industry, movies, TV shows, and music industry stuff that is uh, totally made up or inspired by Lovecraft. You find the images everywhere. I think about black goo. What is black goo? The ink pen is mightier than the sword. Black goo is the vehicle by which it's the oil by which the alien virus takes control of bodies, just like the starfish in Suicide Squad 2, taking control of people's brains like the face hugger or the chum bucket in SpongeBob, taking control of people's brains, controlling them like a hive mind. Batman is now going into Lovecraft. Rick and Morty are officially plunging into the pit of Lovecraftian horror. The U.S. Army's unveiled their Typhon missile system recently, just like... Tomahawk, Apache, Chinook, Blackhawk, etc. They name those things after those tribes or after those tools and weapons because of the power in them. Now we have the Kraken variant. It's everywhere. The name implies terror. 
as countless sailors have felt about the legendary sea monster of the same name, a sea monster that has literally been seen in British Columbia. A sea monster that has literally been seen in North Carolina, a typhon-like creature, which is described, interestingly enough, described just like the new report out of the University of Bath about mosasaurs. They're on average 30-something feet long. They're lizards, Komodo dragon, flippers, shark tail. This is what was seen in North Carolina. It's pretty much a mosasaur. Things that are physically now present in the world may have been there before, but when all this stuff comes out at the same time, there's a pattern here and we need to pay attention to it. The only reason you'd even name something the Kraken is admittedly, as Ryan Gregory said, if you wanted to invoke fear. If you want to draw like the military does in those Indian tribes and those, and those Indian weapons like a tomahawk to draw on the energy of Cthulhu. And with recent sightings of a typhon-like monster in North Carolina or a Kraken octopus in BC, Canada, it seems that through these invocations, these summonings, these conjurings, that monsters, titans, etc. are literally being drawn into our world through what is known as sympathetic magic. Sympathetic magic is when you want to draw the power of the sun. You use the color gold or the color yellow. You use maybe a lion's tooth. The lion's the king of the jungle associated with the sun. That might be different in the east, though. The tiger is the king of the jungle, so you might use a different color depending on what system you're using. But the idea is still the same. You want to talk to the goddess of nature, etc. What are you going to do? You're going to use well, maybe the color green. You're going to go out into nature. You're going to use sticks and twigs and leaves and flowers and plants. and You're going to use things that are associated with that goddess. If you're trying to talk to Hecate, you're going to go to the crossroads. Sympathetic magic. Invocations, conjurings, and summonings are causing these monsters, these titans, these creatures, these Lovecraftian old ones to literally be drawn, and I mean literally drawn, like drawn with ink and a pen, and then also drawn into our world through these methods of sympathetic magic. This is what I call love crafting reality or love crafting the future. It's what Jordy Rose talked about, opening these gateways Cosmicism, like Lovecraft believed, these monsters don't care about us. We are bringing them into this world. We're thinking we can control them because we know their names. But as Jordy Rose said, uh, as Elon Musk has alluded to, you think it's just going to be holy water in a magic circle and you're going to be able to control these demons, but that's not how it works. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Please listen to The Secret Teachings in the free archive. We get some income from that. It supports the show. It keeps us on air Monday through Friday. This is my my job. So I need your support to keep us on air. You can listen for free in the ad archive, and that supports us. Or subscribe to the ad-free archive at www.thesecretteachings.info. If you're interested in a lot of what we talked about tonight, check out my books, The Technological Elixir and Occult Arcana, available at www.thesecretteachings.info. Again, the website www.thesecretteachings.info rdgable at yahoo.com is the email the music is white bat audio tomorrow night Derek Murphy joins us we'll also have Don Lester and David Parker on the show later this week 
January 9th, 2023, Monday. We'll be back tomorrow. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Mm-hmm.